is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 516, recorded Thursday, March 4th, 2021. Hey, hey, it's Thursday. That You know what that means, Jason? It's a feedback day? It means we're doing a feedback show, and I'm happy about that. And, and it's garbage day in my neck of the woods. Garbage day also. I'm happy about that too. Yeah, me too. Me, well, me too. I, I love it. I love at the end of the day when the garbage is gone. <laughs> it doesn't happen every week, but every second week when they take the garbage, it just makes me happy. Yeah. Well, it's nice to get rid of that. Uh, our, my garbage day is, well, I put it out Wednesday night. It goes away Thursday morning. Right. And, uh, we seem to be at the very beginning of the route because they say, get it out by 7 AM. And I'm telling you every day that garbage truck is there at seven and one second. <laughs> oh, wow. No, yeah. for us, it's the uh, green bins really super early. By seven, they say the same thing, get it up by seven, but uh, garbage is around nine, recycling is around three. Oh, no, ours, uh, it's all gone at like 7.01 in the morning, so uh, those bins are back in the garage right away. You do either or, right? It's either garbage or recycling on any given week, right? Uh, No, so it's the green bin, which is like the organic compost type waste every week, and then garbage and recycling alternate weeks. Yeah. We have recycling and green bin every week and garbage is every second week. Oh, weird. Huh. I have to hang on to my recycling for two weeks and garbage. Anyways, nope. I'm sure this is fascinating for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it is Thursday. Uh, yeah, it's Thursday. And what I was going to say is, you know what that means? It means that the people came through, Jason, because uh, as I said a couple nights ago, the the feedback has, you know, dwindled a little bit lately, but... We got some. We got some over the last awesome. 48 hours, and we're going to read it here tonight. Listeners are the best. They're such the best. They're, I mean, they really are. They are very the best. <laughs> They're primarily the best. Most <laughs> super the, best. the best. Yeah, yes, super the best. Most the best. That's my favorite. All right. Well, then let's do our listener feedback. We're going to start it right now. Listener feedback. Our first item is a call from Scott. So Scott, take it away. Hey Jason. Hey Chris. This is Scott from Arkansas. Uh, good to hear you guys back on the show again now that we've got some new episodes of The Walking Dead. I just want to say by the way how much I appreciated y'all's coverage of The Stand. Uh, the Stand's one of my favorite books and uh, I really enjoyed uh, the miniseries, the new show, and uh, I appreciated and enjoyed uh, y'all's commentary on it. So thanks for that. Regarding this new episode of The Walking Dead, I'm kind of in agreement with Chris. I was underwhelmed, and I think, like Chris, I think it's the same thing, even though you know it's not the first episode of a new season. It's the first Walking Dead we've had in a long time, and so maybe expectations were too high for me. And I knew that these new episodes were going to be smaller in scale due to the scale-back production because of the pandemic, but even knowing that, it still didn't prepare me for the long montage of the walk in the woods and it was boring woods at that so what's up with that um but in fairness i had binged watched the last two seasons in the week leading up to uh this new episode to try to hurry up and get caught up because i was behind and i think that i just had uh, 
worn myself out on the show by the time Sunday's episode aired. Also, I watched the episode at bedtime right before going to sleep after being up at work all night, and I may have had a drink or two, and I may have had a slight buzz on by the end, so that might have affected my outlook on the episode. Uh, so I probably need to go back and watch it again. But hopefully the rest of the episodes are going to be better or pick up a little bit. Um, um, with you guys on the uh, the big guy, the sniper at the end, I thought that was cool. I enjoyed the sniper in the Gila suits. I thought that whole action sequence was exciting. I thought he looked really cool and was menacing. Uh, but like y'all, I could not understand what he was saying uh, at the time. I didn't have my captions on. I thought he was saying something in Russian. It was weird. But my one last thought, when Maggie mentions that Georgie has gone out west looking for a new group, do you think there's a chance that they're going to do a time jump in Fear the Walking Dead and Georgie's going to pop up on that show and maybe bring them back to kind of tie everything back together as the main show comes to an end? Just a thought. Anyway, guys, uh, appreciate what y'all do. Keep up the good work. Bye. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. So lots to go on there. Um, just really quick, like I am the kind of person that tends to get overexcited about things a little bit. And then yep. I try to watch something and my brain doesn't work and uh, I, you know, don't always take everything in. So, you know, maybe I was a little overexcited watching this and that's partly due to my slight underwhelmment like Scott had, but uh, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, you know, I've warmed up to it a little bit too. Good. You remember when we went to see the dark Knight? I do. Yeah. And, and you had to watch it again because you were too excited the first time? Yeah, I was too excited and I couldn't pay attention to the movie. I could only pay attention to my excitement for some reason. Well, we saw it in IMAX, right? So that first opening shot was just fucking amazing it in was, IMAX. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, I used to get that way with the West Wing. I, could, I get so excited on Wednesday nights for the West Wing that uh, I couldn't I, I couldn't settle in to enjoy it. It was awful. <laughs> and I didn't have... It was before... Uh, you know, I didn't have a DVR at the time and I didn't have, uh, couldn't watch TV on the internet or anything. So it was just like, shit, now that's gone. And oh, yeah. I have to wait for it to be on reruns. Oh God. It was, it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> or come out on DVD. It would, yeah. Even then I didn't have a DVD player. Oh, well. Well, anyway. I've, I've had that problem, but, uh, you know, anyways, uh, I also want to say, Scott, maybe don't drink and watch TV. <laughs> or I used do. to do that with books. Like uh, when I was in a band, I tend to come home tipsy on the weekends, let's say. Sure. And I always read before going to bed. But uh, when I was drunk and I'd come home, I would read my book, but I would not move the bookmark. I just, uh, I'd read the book and fall asleep. And then the next time I picked up the book, I just start <laughs> where I was before I was drinking so I could understand what I was reading. Yeah, not a terrible idea, actually. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Outsmarting drunk Jason. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, two other things I want to mention. The guy who played the Reaper in this episode was used as a uh, savior at one point, sort of a background savior, an extra savior. Oh, yeah. uh, so he had appeared on the show before. Um, and Not the same character, though. No, I don't think the same character. That. I mean, it would technically be possible, I guess, but I don't think they're doing that. I think it's just using the, the same actor. He's probably a local guy, right? Yeah. And then finally, um, Scott mentioned that, you know, Georgie, we found out from Maggie that Georgie went west. So could Georgie run into the gang on fear? That's an interesting idea. And I think it's possible. I, I think it's probably true. I mean, in retrospect, thanks to Scott for bringing this up. 
uh, why would they mention that if they weren't going to bring Georgie on to fear? You know, I, well, it's just part of Maggie's, you know, backstory from the last six years. And we know Georgie and uh, Daryl knew Georgie. So it it's relevant to the characters. It makes sense. But yeah, I can see what you mean. Like why sort of point it out if they're not going to do something with it? And this seems like a pretty plausible thing. Before Scott yeah. mentioned that, I thought, well, that's it. We're never going to see Georgie again. We'll probably never hear about her again. But here we go. She could show up on fear. And I think that's likely. There, There is a, an axiom in filmmaking uh, that you never put anything in the script that isn't relevant. Yep. So why say that if it's not going to be a thing? I mean, everything else she said in that whole speech or in that whole uh, dialogue was, uh, you know, background information. Mm-hmm. But this, you know, why, why say that specifically okay. if it didn't mean anything? Well, we'll have to keep an eye out for Georgie on fear then. Uh, thank you for that, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Next, we have an email from Bev in beautiful Brixham. I think so. Brixham? No. Devon, Br- UK. I say Brixham. Yeah. Brixham? Yeah. Okay. Beautiful Brixham, Devon, UK. Bev writes, I thought season 10, episode 17 was really good. It had atmosphere and really tugged at the heartstrings. It's so nice to have Maggie back, but of course it will cause tension at some point with Negan. Negan has changed, but maybe not enough. Yeah. Uh, Negan has changed. And what's going to be interesting is... I think for some people on the show, show, some characters on the show, he probably has changed enough or proven himself in one way or another, but none of that matters to Maggie at all. So it's a completely different perspective she's coming, you know, back with, right? It's as Mm -hmm. if she, like, she's picking up where she left off with Negan, basically, whereas everyone else has had six years of him in jail and him killing whisperers, killing Alpha. And ultimately kind of changing a little bit and, you know, befriending uh, Judith and stuff like that. So true. Different perspective. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is Karen in Los Angeles. I thought it was really cool having Maggie back. She's always been a badass. And basically it's how I would love to picture myself in the zombie apocalypse, kicking ass and taking names. I loved Maggie's face when she finds Herschel. It's such a proud mother face, like, good job doing exactly what I taught you to do. <laughs> That's funny. Kicking ass and taking names, and I'm all out of name-taking paper. <laughs> yeah, How's that well, go? It was... Uh, well, that's not how it goes. That's the phrase. But I think Ash in Evil Dead said, kicking ass and chewing bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. That was it. I, well, I knew it was Ash, but and I knew you'd know... But uh, wasn't, I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. I think Karen's comment, though, harkens back a little bit to, you know, us talking on the last episode about, uh, you know, you were saying that Herschel seems awfully well adjusted for some of the, you know, horrible stuff he's been through. Yep. But I think it's, you know, possible. He's grown up in this world and his mother knows what it takes to survive. So she's taught him how to handle it. I guess so. You know, at you least know? to a degree, yeah. When in doubt, climb a tree. Well, that's pretty good advice. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine why that wouldn't be good advice. That's what squirrels do. That, that's right. Squirrels know you what they're doing. Al- you should always pay attention to what the squirrels do. Otherwise, they'll outsmart you. Uh, well, not really. They're pretty dumb. That's true. Pigeons, they're, they might outsmart you, though. Uh, it's the seagulls you got to worry about. The okay. seagulls are a collective <laughs> consciousness, uh, and we get more seagulls together, they get smarter. 
They follow every one of our ships out to sea. They're digging through the garbage dumps, uh, learning about us. Yep. Uh, seagulls are, you know, when you look up in a, uh, look up in the sky and you see a bunch of seagulls just kind of circling around and not doing nothing else, but just circling. That's them thinking. They're planning shit when they're up there doing that. They are scary. Yeah. Raccoons, I think are like that a little bit too. Raccoons are constantly outsmarting humans. Uh, yeah, they're smarter than us. That's, that's the thing about raccoons. Is you they know. look like they're dummies, but, uh, no, they're, uh, they're smarter than human beings. Well, we all know that human beings are not the most intelligent life form on this planet. And we're going to have to come to terms with that soon. Yeah. Think of it this way. Does a raccoon have a job? No. That's pretty smart, in my opinion. They don't need jobs. <laughs> they don't need jobs. All they need is a garbage can and some water to wash their food in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Smart guys. All right. So next we have an email from M on the internet. Uh, Maggie's opening line, you are your mother's daughter, did a lot of heavy lifting. Maybe it's because I've gone back in time uh, by re-listening to the podcast, but it, immediately I thought of Lori. It was very poignant that Maggie who delivered Judith, saying to this now grown-up-ish Judith, uh, saying this to the now grown-up-ish Judith. Also, a good tribute to her mother Michonne showing through in Judith's character, perhaps an acknowledgement of both mothers. Well, you know what? I don't see why not. And when I read this email before you just did now, Jason, I thought to myself, good Lord, I haven't thought of uh, Lori in a long time. And when I look at Judith... I don't even think about Lori as her mother. I think about Michonne. I was, uh, I, I only thought of Michonne. Like I didn't think of uh, Lori at all. So I agree with you. I know it's, it's, cra am. it's crazy. It's been so long since she was on the show. Uh, it's like she never existed. She <laughs> went died season three. Two or three. Yeah. Three, uh, probably three. They're in the prison, right? That's right. And she was completely eaten by a zombie. Remember that debacle? Oh, I do. That was one of the early Walking Dead debacles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's been a long time since I've thought about Lori. Judith, I really associate with uh, Michonne as a mother-daughter relationship. But, you know, good on the show for not forgetting, right? If that's what they were going for, kind of an acknowledgement of both of them. Um, Maybe the writers forgot about Lori too. For a while there. <laughs> and it's just like, oh shit, geez, I dodged a bullet there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Woo, phew. <laughs> All right, thanks, Sam. Next up is James in London, England. James writes, I have spent lockdown watching all the episodes, starting from season one to episode 16 of season 10 just last week. Finally, I've caught up. I thought episode 17 was actually quite a good opener for season 10.5. I missed the Eugene story a little, but I'm sure we'll see that next week. To be honest, and unlike you, I think, I'm not that interested in Maggie's backstory. We all know why she went away, and it was because she was filming another TV series. She's back, that's great, and let's just get on with the story. Perhaps I would rather she didn't, or personally, I would rather she didn't kill Negan. They don't have to be friends, but together they will be key parts of the story going forward. I think what James means is like not really together, but I think both of the characters will be key parts of the story going forward in their own ways. Yes. Like they're, uh, it'd be hard to be friends. It really, really friends. would. And again, as we were talking about the other day, I think there are ways the shows could, the show could do it. And I do believe they might end up going down that road. Um, but I think it would be, 
equally compelling, if not more compelling, if they actually didn't make them friendly. And uh, there was all that animosity there going forward, you know, to the end of time. If this was a soap opera, they'd fall in love and get married. Oh my gosh. Just think of that. Are you sure it's not a soap opera? I hope not. Well, then, you know, then they'd go back and they'd find uh, Glenn's body and then uh, take his brain and implant it into Negan so that he was actually Glenn. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then they would fall in love. Yeah. That's what would happen. Well, now. And somebody'd fall down. We'd, somebody already fell down in the elevator shaft. That was, uh, uh, that was Daryl and Mr. Mountain Giant there. What was it? <laughs> he pushed uh, Beta down the shaft, right? That's right. Uh, yeah, so we've we've had that already, and that's a soap opera trope. So uh, why not this? Okay, brain transplant that is. We're going to have Glenn's brain transplanted into, <laughs> which there's not much left of, transplanted. Uh, I, we have zombie brains. You know, the uh, the we learned in season one that the, the brain reanimates or reactivates so why not, uh, you know, have it completely reactivated and be Glenn inside of uh, Negan's body? I know, but you recall how Glenn was killed, right? Yeah, I mean, that was... I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's not like he was hit by a car, reanimated and, you know, gently poked in the brain. There's not a lot left, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they can get around that. Okay. That's what writers do. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, Glenn's brain, Negan's body reanimates or comes back to life, falls in love with Maggie. Everyone lives happily ever after. There you go. We finished the series for them. <laughs> yes. Good thing we're here. <laughs> All right. Next, we have an email from Michael in Ozark, Missouri. I agree with you, Jason. That's huh. me. Uh, if I had this moment, if I had this moment with the guy that beat my spouse's head in with a baseball bat and forced me to watch, there would be no walking away. Uh, we are having a moment and hopefully I've made it, uh, we are having a moment and hopefully I've made it this far into the apocalypse and I would have some talent to at least make it a fight. Yeah. Michael's just trying to say that, uh, he would not walk by with a grumpy face like, uh, Maggie did. They'd be having a moment and hopefully they, he would come yeah. out on top. They would. Yeah. And, uh, hopefully Michael, if, uh, if this was you, you'd make it farther into the zombie apocalypse, then I'll likely make it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Michael sent that email and he also included a video of a hockey goalie in 1988 getting hit in the mask with the puck and getting knocked out. Jesus. Because we were talking about goalies the other day yeah. and this guy was a guy named Pete Peters. He was playing for the Washington Capitals and yes, indeed, he has the first la same first and last name. Well, of course, is he a superhero of some kind in the Marvel Universe? Uh, maybe, but his day job was hockey player. So, uh, that's Pete, okay. That's fine. Peter Peters. He, I, I, this is a player I was aware of being a huge hockey fan my whole life. And I watched the video and yeah, he takes a shot right off the mask. Now he's wearing a cage, not like the style that Elijah wears and like not Mike like, the, not like the more modern style. He, it's a like more like a player mask, but, uh, with a right. full cage on it. Anyways, he gets knocked out. He goes down, he's taken off the ice, stuff like that. The crazy part about it all is that the backup goalie for the Washington Capitals in 1988, when this took place was a guy named Clint Malarchuk. Oh yeah. And so Good he comes, he comes in to finish the game and you know, that by itself isn't that remarkable, but if you're a hockey person, you know that Clint Malarchuk less than a year later is the guy who had his carotid artery uh, cut by a skate blade and almost died on the ice. 
Yikes. So uh, <laughs> this goalie tandem, not a lot of luck with these two guys. <laughs> Goalies uh, are fucking hardcore, man. They really are. Now, Malarkin, So he did, he, you say he almost dies, died, so he did not die. He survived. He survived. Okay. They got him off and they got him fixed up quickly but he he played he didn't even play for the caps at that time he was on the buffalo sabers the next season and that's where it happened so well with a name like the sabers you're taking your life into your own hands <laughs> well maybe but uh yeah i just uh some string of bad luck for those two guys right there anyways yeah. I'm, I'm glad they're both okay in the end wow all right james in pittsburgh pennsylvania writes after so long away from the Dediverse, I was stoked for this return. That being said, holy hell, I can use less Maggie. It seems like six years has worn away all common sense and safety for Herschel's second best daughter. Ouch. Watching her act impulsively and recklessly for an entire episode frustrated me to no end. Here's hoping Negan reunites her with Glenn. The biggest jaw dropper for me was Carol stirring the pot. Nothing like welcoming Maggie and crew to the graveyard of her former home, then pointing out how Negan was involved in the firebombing. <laughs> uh, tell us how you really feel there, James. Uh, not so happy with, with Maggie's return. <laughs> I guess not. Seriously. I didn't think that Carol was stirring the pot there, but uh, yeah, I can see it. I, I suppose, but you have to really come at it from that angle because even on the show, they made it, tried to make it clear that, Carol was coming from a place of, you know, at least sort of thinking that Maggie deserved to know the truth and what happened and trying not to hide anything from her and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not like uh, Maggie was going to, it was going to take long for her to find out that Hilltop had burned down, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a back, it's not really a backhanded compliment, but it's a kind of a backhanded, hey, he helped. Uh, you know, it could have been a lot worse if he didn't get involved. It's like you, if you went to your wife and said, Hey, I really like your blouse. My mom has the same one, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a compliment, but damn it. It's not going to go over well. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, I suppose, but she was trying to be nice. She was trying to be upfront and honest, I think. And that's important. Uh, yeah. But I can see well, your she point. was also upfront and honest when she shot a little girl in the face, right? <laughs> yeah, which is a thing. Sorry, that, back of the head. She said, look at the flowers. So I assume she was turned away. At the yeah, time. that's a thing that Carol does. That's very true. All right. So next we have a call from Shane. Hello, gentlemen. I just wanted to drop in and have, I have a few thoughts on this week's episodes. The first one is, I think they did really well recording during the pandemic. I mean, you could see there were a few scenes where they were standing or sitting slightly further apart than they normally would. But overall, I think they did a really good job. Um, I really loved in this episode the mutual respect between Maggie and Carol. I thought the fact that Carol respected Maggie enough to tell her the truth that she let Negan out, I thought that was fantastic. And then when Maggie said that she just knew that that's what Carol thought she had to do, it just shows this mutual respect between the two of them. And I thought that just absolutely made it for me. And finally, I just want to know your thoughts. Do you think the Reapers are going to be sticking around or do you think they're just a threat for this six episodes? Like maybe have them as a as a through line just for this sort of mini series? I think rather than have them as an overarching villain for an entire season, maybe they could fit them into each of these six episodes. 
Anyway, can't wait to listen to your next show and watch the next episode. Take care and stay safe. Bye. Amazing. Thank you, Shane. So um, there's the other side sort of of the Carol Maggie argument that there was a respect there. And that's why she reveals, you know, what really happened to her. So I like that. Yeah. Uh, what about the first thing Shane said, Jason, and, and, and filming during the pandemic? Did you feel that at all in this episode? It's something I didn't think to talk about last time. But uh, did you did you notice anything different or see anything about it that would make you think, oh, there's a pandemic thing right there? My, my answer is going to be a lot shorter than your questions. The answer is no. I did not notice or comprehend anything that indicated that this was filmed during the pandemic. So either it was really, really well done or they were incredibly unsafe about the whole thing. <laughs> One or the other. That's right. I have yeah. to say, I didn't really notice anything either. We will get to our next email in a second where this topic is brought up again. But just before we do that, the final thing uh, Shane wanted to know is about the Reapers and, and whether we think maybe they'll just be here for these six episodes because we need some kind of antagonist and then we'll move on from them. And, and you know what, Shane, I hope you're right. That makes me feel a little bit better about this group that I don't really, I'm just not that excited about for now. So if they're just around to be sprinkled into these six episodes, so there's, you know, some bad guys to deal with. That's fine. I think. What do you think? Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping they don't have, they don't stick around for very long. I don't know anything about the Reapers. I just know that this guy uh, showed up with a sniper rifle and hand grenades, which even now uh, I'm thinking of an eighth thing I didn't like about it. Why would a sniper need hand grenades? Hand grenades are more for close quarters combat and a sniper rifle is for long range. And the snipers work in teams. Anyway, I'm going to move off of that, but I hope that they're not going to be long-lived because I hope that they can move away from the uh, the bad guy group of the week uh, from this show. And I'm not sure how to do that. Other shows uh, are, you know, dramatic and have tension uh, and they don't need a new group of bad people every half season or so, or in some cases, every two seasons. Uh, how, how do the comic books go? Do the comic books right up until the end just have uh, a new group of bad guys that they have to contend with? Well, I don't really want to talk about what happens from here on in, in the comic books, but overall, uh, the show has followed the comic storyline reasonably close. Obviously there are differences and divergences and things like that. But, you know, you go from the prison and the governor through some other stuff to Negan, you know, things like that. Um, and where we are now is the, in, in some ways, I think the farthest away from the comic we've been in a long time, but yeah. I can feel it swinging back towards it. Now, a big, a big difference, of course, is Rick Grimes, Michonne all the differences with these characters uh, from the comic and of course, Rick not being there at all, but I can feel us swinging back a little bit towards the comic, but right here where we are right now, partly because it's bonus episodes. Uh, I feel like we're farthest away from it, but you know, your, your overall question about, you know, new bad guy of the season every, every year that's tough. That's tough for a show like this because the zombies just aren't that much of a threat anymore. Right. 
So you need something that's threatening. Well, it could be internal, right? It doesn't have to be an external threat. It could be drama, and then it totally turns into a soap opera, but it could be a drama within mm -hmm. uh, the group of people. So, or in our, within our trepid, intrepid heroes. Yeah, it could be, to be honest. Um, you know, I know he was a whisperer, but Dante as a spy sabotaging them from the inside. I yeah. really liked that storyline, you know, one now that I think about it and, um, he, and, and sure he was part of this group, but we didn't know it for so long. And the reveal of it was pretty satisfying. I thought, so you're right. Some sort of internal drama or semi internal where it's somebody like that, who's infiltrated them and doing bad things that seemed to work really well. We could bring back, uh, you know, one of my original thoughts for, uh, for Maggie, uh, maybe all that backstory that she gave was a complete fucking lie and she's come back to be the bad guy. Oh my gosh. Right? Maybe she's, uh, the head of the Reapers. Maybe she's in charge of them and she's playing some kind of long con in order to destroy this group. Uh, and that's why she didn't kill Negan because she needs him. She knows that he's going to be part of her plan. Shit, this is all coming together. Uh, you know, Maggie's the bad guy. Wow. She's turned fully into the bad guy while she was gone. Enid and that's was not even Herschel. That's just some kid she found uh, that sort of looked like the Herschel that she murdered in his sleep two <laughs> years ago. It's getting dark. We better move on. Wow. Well, Maggie's the bad guy. I mean, Enid was a spy, right? And so now Maggie's a spy for the Reapers. Yeah, Enid's not dead. That was her clone, remember? Oh, right. Sorry. There was cloning and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to keep track sometimes. It is hard to keep track. Luckily, I've got everything locked in up here, uh, except for all the, all the shit that I forget on a weekly basis. Right. There's that. And every character's name. It's hard to keep them straight. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> don't even care. I, I have a hard time with that with human beings as well. I barely know your name. That's why I call you by nicknames all the time. Yeah. Fair. What'd you call me earlier tonight? Uh, uh, my fine young cannibal. That's right. Hello, my fine young cannibal. <laughs> All right. Well, now I'm probably on, you retyped that to me in a message. So now I'm probably on some kind of list for when there's a cannibal murderer in my neighborhood. No, no, you didn't say any of the key. Cannibal is not a keyword. Okay, good. It's good to know. I, uh, these are keywords. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not going to say any <laughs> keywords on the internet. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, let's move on. Bill in New Jersey writes, I really liked this episode until the very end. The highlight for me was when they were being hunted in the woods. I haven't felt that level of suspense in a while. But as our group comes back to Alexandria, there are two random people walking towards the back. They must be other people from Maggie's group who they found in the woods. Maybe one of them is the Kim character who was mentioned as taking Herschel. My problem, why are they wearing masks? Not cool character masks like Elijah, but what look to be like post-apocalyptic COVID masks. I have seen a few shows in which characters are wearing masks. I watch TV to escape reality, not to be reminded of a pandemic. If they can film the show, I assume they are testing the actors and crew regularly and taking precautions. So why the freaking masks for those two people in the back? It doesn't even make sense plot-wise. If you are looking to settle in a new community, don't hide your face. It makes you look suspicious. It's true. So uh, I went back and checked and I did notice this the first time I watched. There's two randos who come back to Alexandria with Maggie and Cole and Herschel and everybody who seem to have appeared out of nowhere because they weren't re they weren't 
part of the episode, as far as I can tell before that, all the people from Maggie's group that they found in the forest were killed. So who are these two? We don't know. And both of them did have masks on. One of them actually looked like a normal face covering mask that people are wearing all over the place right now. And the other one was kind of a bandana wrapped around his face. So it does kind of feel like this is the moment that you could notice the pandemic on the show. But that being said, Bill is right. If no one else is wearing them and they're testing everybody, why do these two have to? Um, The only thing I can think of is that these are probably background performers who are only there for the one day. They're in and out, maybe working on other shows too. And so they don't have the time for the testing and the results or whatever it is. And so they told them to put masks on. Maybe. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. That's a good, good explanation. It is. And it's sort of a bummer that, that that's the case. Uh, but at the same time, I do want everyone to be safe and healthy. So if that's what it takes, that's fine. But I would also question why have them there at all in that case. You know, I mean, they weren't in the rest of the episode, so what are they doing there? They just needed the group to feel a little bit bigger. I don't know. Uh, maybe they were, uh, walk-ons from, maybe they're, you know, some kind of big wigs that wanted to be on the show. Oh, sure. No, put me in an episode. You know, you need more people. Put me in, put me in, put me in. Come on, Dad. put me in. And then, yeah, fine, but wear a mask. Some random producers fly in. like, I want to, I want to walk on roll. Come on. I'm only here for six hours. I got to catch my plane, but put me yeah, on. Yeah, my oh. uncle's second cousin's, uh, you know, friend by third marriage owns a dog that uh, used to be owned by Jerry and Jerry wants to be in the show. And I told him he could. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> and that's fine. You got to wear a mask. Yeah. Jerry's got to wear a mask. No problem. All right. Well, let's move on. All right. Next, we have a call from Trish. Hey, guys. It's Trish in Boston. I just finished listening to your recap, and it helped me put my finger on a few things that I was feeling and I couldn't get a clarity on. Um, Yeah, I did want more for a new season, and maybe there was less because of COVID filming. Um, Obviously, Minnie Glenn is adorable and perfectly casted. And I will say one of the highlights, though very uncomfortable, was when Maggie and Negan see each other the first time. And then the second time when she goes into Alexandria and he's watching her, it felt so real that he had done what he had done and kind of real world versus cinema world. Like she can't let that go. And how could anybody ever? So it's going to be interesting to see how they pan out that storyline. Um, I like the two guys that she's hanging out with. They seem like a good addition. And the thing that was weird at the end, I just feel like there's no family. I had to go look at the cast list and try to remember who's still around because it just seemed like everybody was gone. Like it's Carol and Daryl and Maggie with a side of Negan. And I don't know. I just, there's, there's some family vibe that wasn't there and maybe that'll come back as they're filming gets easier to do with COVID safety or something. But yeah, I wanted more, but I do love everybody so much. It's going to be a bummer when they kind of tie this up. So thanks for doing what you do. You keep me entertained. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, Trish. It's an interesting point she makes. I get the same vibe and I kind of needed her to point it out to me, but I get the same lack of family vibe that I used to have on the show. Too many of the Well, I can't say too many, but so many of the original characters are gone. And some of the new ones who have 
already come and gone, who I felt close to, you know, it, 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 it kind of lacks that family group, um, feeling a little bit, right? Kelly is great. And some of the other characters are, are just fine, but it's not like it's, you know, Daryl, Rick, Michonne, all the, all the OGs anymore. I think we'll get there. We'll get there. I mean, we live in fucked up times at the moment where we are disjointed and the sense of family, uh, is broken Yeah, for, for me at least and my family. Uh, you know, haven't seen people in a long time, uh, and anybody that I have seen has been at a distance. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the show kind of reflects that right now. So hopefully they can, we can get that feeling back. Um, unfortunately, I think it reflects reality at the moment. I, I think it's going to be that way for at least these six episodes. Uh, but I, but I think it, I was feeling it a little bit, even, you know, in season 10, as we led up to this, that being said, it's been so long, it's hard to keep it together. You know, I think maybe, maybe when Gabe comes back, we see Aaron some more, these guys have been around a long time, you know, it'll, it'll feel like a group again. And, and Maggie, once she is reintroduced to some of these people, it, it, it's probably going to help, right? Right. We've only seen her in this episode so far, primarily, and it was really just with Daryl most of the time. So it'll come back together. You're right. But I do get what Trish is saying for now, that uh, it, it doesn't quite have the same, you know, everyone is a big family group at this point, but it'll come back. Let's hope. All right. Am I next? Yeah. This is Wes. It's, a, it's an email from Wes in Midlands, UK. And Wes writes, like Chris, I was a little meh about episode 17. I think the main reason was because I was hoping the Maggie episode would have been a flashback to what she'd been up to in her time away with Georgie. After her conversation with Daryl in the container, it became obvious this is something we'll never see, so I started to enjoy the episode for what it was, until my heart sank when we're introduced to another insane, bloodthirsty, murderous group, having only got rid of the Whisperers the previous episode. There's plenty of story going on, there's no need for a new group. Having said all that, I really enjoyed having Maggie and The Walking Dead back again. An average episode is much better than no episode, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the next five, especially the Negan backstory. So the Negan backstory comes as the final one, so you got a few to get through still first, but uh, there you go, Wes, um, up and down for him, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, so... I think my idea that uh, Maggie is the bad guy is coming more and more to the forefront of my mind. Uh oh. Because why, you know, there's also another axiom in television and movies of show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, sure, we could have got flashbacks of Maggie's backstory, but maybe Maggie's unreliable in her backstory telling, and therefore we can't show it because that's not the real story. So maybe there's a discrepancy there that they'll show us later. Oh boy. Uh, and we'll get, we'll get flashbacks. But, uh, having said that it is, uh, you know, this season is smaller than, uh, other episodes that, uh, they could have filmed. So maybe they didn't have the budget for flashbacks. They just had, you know, they did a good job of the discussion. 
you know, of her backstory, you know, where they placed it in the episode and uh, the dialogue of the episode of that discussion. Uh, I thought that was really well done. And I still think that's really well done, but maybe it's a complete fabrication. Well, gosh, I mean, it's anything's possible, right? And the more you say things out loud, the more plausible it sounds, I must admit. I'll still be surprised if she comes and is any kind of villain, but it's all a matter of perspective too. Don't forget. Maybe the bloodthirsty murderous group, the Reapers are the good guys. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've had, (laughs) they didn't shoot anybody except for Maggie's crew, right? He didn't shoot anybody from our side. So maybe he knows that they're not viable targets. Well, I mean, he, that's, uh, it's not to say he didn't try to shoot Daryl, though. Or I don't know. He was pretty accurate with that thing. Maybe he was, uh, you know, aiming for trees at that point. I just to frighten him. I don't know. Well, you know, Maggie. It's all we've had this conversation before. It's a matter of perspective. You know, the saviors and Negan thought they were the good guys, and uh, the governor thought he was doing the right thing. So, yeah, very few bad guys think that they're the bad guy. Yeah, that's just not really a thing, exactly. Maggie as being a villain, crazy, crazy town, but uh, gosh. It would be a hell of a plot twist. It sure would, sure would. All right, next we have a call from Tyler. Hey, I'm on my way to work and just wanted to say we are still here and I love this episode. Just a little bit behind on The Walking Dead and Fear and World Beyond. I wanted to stay on top of them so I could listen to your guys' episode, but just got a little bit behind teaching online and in person at the same time in a pandemic. So I'm now winding down my school year and I am excited to listen to what you guys have to say about each of these episodes of all the shows that are out now. So love this episode. My only concern about the whole episode was when Daryl said, oh, we'll take the long way home. I was like, crap, we're going to be three or four episodes in the woods running from an invisible, uh, villain because we can't see the snipers from a distance and so i was kind of like rolling my eyes about that but we got back to alexandria we get to feel the tension of negan and maggie and herschel and i'm excited for that first conversation with herschel and negan because we all know that negan's going to approach him or herschel's going to approach negan or something and it's going to be an interesting conversation so we're all excited for that so keep up the great work we are still here we are still listening i'm still going to be listening and responding so you're going to hear from me more. So yeah. All right. I am at work now, so I got to go. All right. Bye. (laughs) Great. Uh, good luck at work, (laughs) Tyler. (laughs) Um, what was I going to say? So, uh, yes, taking the long way home, long way home with episode after episode of, of an invisible bad guy chasing them or Tyler take the long way home with the bad guy walking shoulder to shoulder right there beside you. Because it's, be. it's Maggie. Uh, the other thing he mentioned is is just Negan interacting with Herschel. I think that is going to be really interesting. We know, we know uh, Negan's deal with kids and kids seem to almost be drawn to him in a way. So that's going to be interesting. And to be honest, that could be where the biggest source of pain for Maggie comes from. If, for example, Herschel really takes a liking to Negan. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about the dynamic there. Like, holy crap, your, your son really likes hanging out with the dude who brutally murdered your husband. That would be, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. 
a very sure. tough pill to swallow. A big horse sized pill. You just can't get it down with normal water. No, you need special water. You do. Like gin. <laughs> Did I say water? I meant gin. <laughs> yeah. I hate gin, just for the record. Oh, you just got to mix it with the right thing. What? Motor oil? Gin is awful. It's absolutely horrendous. Ah, good gin and tonic with a little lemon or lime in there is delish. I've had a gin and tonic with a cucumber in it. That's pretty nice too. Everything about that except the gin sounds great. <laughs> All right. Well, you just go back to your rum and coke and live your life. Yeah. Good idea. Okay, Justine in NorCal writes, My take on why Elijah was upset after the group split and he took off his mask was his concern about being separated from Maggie. We were just told that he lost his sister. Then he watches Maggie walk away and to me clearly seemed worried that he would lose another sister. Oh. So, yeah, maybe he's just... um emotionally attached to Maggie for some reason and doesn't like to be separated from her. To be honest, we don't know anything about him at all yet. So there's a lot to learn there. And I think Justine's theory is as good as any. <laughs> How about this? Uh, Elijah's sister's not dead. Uh, Maggie ha is holding her hostage in order to keep Eugene in line or Elijah in line, sorry. And Elijah is terrified about messing up. Uh, and is showing his emotion when Maggie's not around because he's not allowed to show it when she is around. Well, <laughs> you got all the answers, I'm afraid. <laughs> Damn it, I'm <laughs> spinning a web that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so far, nobody in this story has lasers for eyes. So I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's very true. Well, yeah, all kinds of questions about Maggie and what she's been doing and who she really is these days. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. I, I yeah. So, so that's a good theory about, uh, Elijah and it's as good as any, cause we don't know what's going on yet. There you go. All right. Next we have an email from Chris in the UK. Chris writes, Maggie wasn't pregnant when she left. Season nine had two time jumps. One of about 18 months happened between season eight and nine. Uh, we saw Herschel as a baby and the early episodes and we knew that's what she called him followed by another of six years or so after Rick's last episode. We've had at least one since as well. It must be the best part of a year since we first met the Whisperers by now. We had a winter since then, by the way. Herschel could be nine or ten. Maggie had a chance to kill Negan on her last episode, but chose not to do so. She had a moment of coming to terms with him being in prison. He, uh, his unexpected freedom no doubt forces her to reevaluate her feelings, but it's more than plot armor that she didn't just immediately kill them. Shock and inaction is not an unrealistic first response. I'm, I'm interested to see what her second response is. There are several, several characters who would plausibly try to stop her from killing Negan. Off the top of my head, Judith, Gabriel, uh, Lydia, and possibly Daryl and Carol. She might also be unable to do it if Herschel is present. Come to think of it, Herschel Sr. wouldn't have approved either, and she had a long time to think about that. Right. So Chris in the UK tends to write in uh, long emails with multiple points. So I actually included two here. That's why this is kind of in two halves. His first point is about us a couple nights ago saying that Maggie was pregnant when she left, which is in fact incorrect. The baby had right. been born. And, and we she, knew his name was Herschel. That's like, right. That is a memory I now have. Yeah, exactly. Remembered. So she left with him. So that was just a misremembering on, on our part. Uh, like you said, Jason, you remember everything except for all the stuff you've forgotten. Exactly. 
that's just how it goes. So thank you, Chris, for pointing that out. Uh, and then the other half of it was, you know, Maggie's had chances to kill Negan and the fact that shock and inaction is not an unrealistic first response is a very, very good point. So it will play out the way it plays out. And her second response, as he said, could be much more interesting and or violent. That's true. You know, so there you go. Uh, and again, just characters that might try to stop her. Uh, Lydia, of course, is one that I hadn't even thought of, even though she appeared in this episode a couple of times. So there you go. There's all kinds of angles to this thing. And it will be fascinating to see how it plays out. But thank you, uh, Chris, for the email. And thank you for the long emails. I usually pick and choose a little bit from his messages. Otherwise, uh, we'd be here all night, <laughs> which <laughs> is fine. But, you know, I do want to sleep at some point. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. All right. We are essentially going to, we got two more, but we're sort of going to wrap things up here with a call from Scott, which is fun because we started the feedback with a call from Scott, Jason, and we're going to uh -huh. end it with a call from Scott, but is it the same Scott, I'll let you decide if you think it's the same Scott or not. Okay. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Scott from Kingston, Ontario. A uh, long time listener, love the podcast, uh, second time caller, but the first time was a long time ago. Uh, anyway, just wanted to say I did like the episode quite a bit, but like Chris, I did think it was a little bit of a letdown for such a big gap in between. Um, but the reason I was calling in was to let you know uh, that I also think it's going to be August 22nd for The Walking Dead Return. And I did some math on the dates and The Walking Dead, um, this 10C is going to go from February 28th to April 4th, which is six weeks. Fear the Walking Dead then would go April 11th to June 6th, which is nine weeks. Because if you remember, there's only seven weeks in the first half. And then World Beyond has 10 weeks, which would go June 13th to August 15th. And then that would set us up for a return date of August 22nd, which seems to jive with their announcement of a summer return. So it looks like every Sunday from now until at least, I guess, October, which I'm guessing is when fear will return, we will have Walking Dead on Sunday night, which is kind of exciting. Anyway, thanks a lot. Hope you guys uh, keep, the keep the podcast going and hopefully we can keep the feedback show going because I really do enjoy it. Thanks a lot. Bye, guys. Thank you very much, Scott. He did the math and uh, yeah. you, you, you nailed it, Jason. August 22nd, if it plays out the way Scott describes. Yeah, no, it sounds like the math checks out and uh, we have uh, empirical reasoning and we have inductive reasoning. So uh, they both kind of match up in this case. That we do. Yeah. But it, as he says, means that there is new Walking Dead every Sunday night between now and the break they take for Christmas. That's a lot of Walking Dead content. It is. And they've set that up beautifully. Like, why would they not want Walking Dead on every Sunday night forever year round? I can't think of a reason. I mean, this is AMC. They want as much Walking Dead as they can. And it, it does sometimes make me think about the days, you know, five, six, seven years ago, even longer when I used to think to myself, what are we going to do when, when the Walking Dead ends? Like, <laughs> what, what are we going to do? Because, you know, the podcast is fun and 
I want to keep doing it. Like maybe, maybe we'll do a different podcast, but apparently it doesn't matter because Jason, the walking dead is never going to end. It just feels that way. (laughs) It's the undead show. It just will not die. It just keeps going and going. Anyways, it's going to be a busy year for the walking dead and we are going to be there right along with it. But thank you, Scott, for doing that math. Makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Finally, we have, uh, well, it's not really an email, but we have some, uh, Uh, feedback from Mark on Facebook. Mark writes, the Ides of March gets its annual mention. For the record, (laughs) it falls on the 15th and was the deadline for Romans to settle their debts. It's also the date that Julius Caesar was assassinated. There you go. So every first first podcast of March, when you bring it up, that's fine. Now you know, but I fully expect next March whatever we're recording about, <laughs> yeah, uh, you to mention the Ides of March. Well, that's because of the Simpsons, right? Where Lisa says to Homer, beware the Ides of March. And he responds, no. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I refuse to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to beware the Ides of March. But that's good to know. So was Julius Caesar coincidentally assassinated on the 15th of March? Or was it because they wanted to make a point about Caesar paying his debt? You know, I couldn't tell you, but I bet you Mark on Facebook could. Mark, uh, we need, we need more information here. (laughs) But wait until next March when Jason brings it up again. Yeah. Yeah. We got a, we got a year before this becomes relevant again. (laughs) All right. Very good. That's it, everyone. Thank you so much for writing and calling in. I, I was a little concerned that the, the, the feedback just wasn't there anymore, but clearly Everyone came through and it is, uh, but I would love to get even more. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And keep sending it in. If you've never written or called in before and you've been thinking about it, just go for it. Think how good it'll make you feel and think of how good it'll make us feel. It's, it's a wonderful feeling. So, uh, just do it. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. You know, come to think of it. I don't think I've ever written or called in. So maybe I should. That would be weirdly meta if I played a call from you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, and as long as you'd be correcting something that idiot Jason said, then everything, well, of course would, be, it would, be. everything would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's lots to work with there. Of course. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week when we cover the next episode of The Walking Dead. If you want to do a title read, something I mentioned the other night, uh, record yourself speaking the title of the episode, which I didn't look up, but it's out there on the internet and it, uh, and I'll, and I'll play it on the show. Probably. (laughs) I say probably because, you know, if we have thousands, I can't do them all, but you know, send it in. Uh, it's always fun to get those as well. So if you would like to continue or to do that and continue to get in touch, visit talkingdeadpodcast.com, click on send voicemail at the top to send a recording in with your thoughts, title reads, or whatever. You can also send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or check out us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. All right, once again, this was fun. Thanks, everybody. It's awesome to have The Walking Dead back. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Ciao.